Well, again, good morning. Like Ken said, that's not anybody's favorite topic to have to talk about, no, no doubt, or, or to even honestly to listen to or to think about things like that. wanted to make sure everybody understood that this is, this has not come up in a reaction to some sort of incident that's happened here. I want to make sure we dispel any fears if anybody had any of those kinds of things. Uh, as far as to, to our knowledge, we haven't had any incidents whatsoever like this, but the point is to prepare and uh, to be a kind of ahead of the curve to make sure that the kids are as safe as they can possibly be. Nobody, nobody brings their kids here um, without you know, loving them and caring about them and wanting them to have the absolute best experience that they can every time they come in through the doors. And so that's what, that's what we all want. We're all on the same page about that. And so if there are things we can do, as the, the committee has said, to, to be a bit more proactive and to be a bit more prepared so that we can help, hopefully, to be aware and, and maybe help to ensure some safety for our kids a little bit more than we sure want to do everything that we can. Uh, before I became, we're going to switch topics. Is that okay with you? We'll take a vote. All in favor, say aye. aye. <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for permission. Um, I've got the microphone, so I get to do what I want anyway, I suppose. Uh, um, and, well, I don't know. Joe's got the control, so I guess really I'm, <laughs> I'm at Joe's disposal. Uh, before I became a preacher, you all have heard me talk some before, that I used to be a, a high school teacher and a basketball coach. And whenever I coached basketball, I was coaching primarily 7th graders, 7th grade boys team and 7th grade girls team. And because I had some of the younger group, we didn't always have prime time spots to get the basketball court. So some of our games came on Saturday mornings. And on those Saturday morning dates, it was also hard to get bus drivers. And so often, I was the bus driver as well. And I lived 20 or 25 minutes from school. And so uh, on those early Saturday mornings, I'd have to get up especially early, drive to the, to the school building, unlock the bus lot, go get the bus, make sure it was gassed up. You know, all the things you have to do. have to get to the gym in time to get the balls and all the different things we needed. So I had to be there extra early before any of the kids got there. And you know, they're seventh graders, so most of them weren't walking. Most of them were being driven by their parents. Every now and then... I would wake up almost in a fever, in a panic, out of this horrible nightmare. And in my nightmare, at least, I had forgotten that we had a game. And so I'd wake up in this panic and think, what day is it? What time is it? Did we have a game this morning? Because in my mind, in this nightmare, I had overslept, and once I woke up out of this nightmare, I could just envision angry parents on their phones to the superintendent waiting at the school building wondering where is that idiot coach where's the school bus and i could imagine angry parents and kids crying and granted seventh graders probably weren't going to cry if they missed the game but hey this is my nightmare well i can make whatever i want happen and i just thought this is this has got to be one of the most horrible experiences of my life because i i just hated the idea of letting those people down, or even being late, or certainly of missing things. Because there are some things, as you well know, in your life, that we just don't, we just don't want to miss. Now, has anyone, be honest, has anyone ever overslept and missed work? Oh, come on, just be honest. <laughs> All right. Anyone ever overslept and missed school? Okay, the guys up here aren't nearly as embarrassed about that. Anybody ever ever oversleep and miss something like a date? 
Well, what? Well, what? John, come on, you had to ruin my illustration. <laughs> How often do we oversleep and, miss, oversleep and miss things like that, though? More than once, John? Just once, okay. Just once. Because, you see, we don't tend to oversleep and miss things we're excited about. Oversleeping and missing school, what's the loss, right? Oversleeping and missing work, hmm, it's a 50-50 kind of situation there, whether you're upset about that or not. But the things that we really love, the things we enjoy being a part of, we don't want to miss. We're excited, we're anxious, we're ready, we're prepared. If we've got a date, I mean, think about how much time you usually spend getting ready. You've got to get the, the right outfit, make sure you've got the right clothes on, you've got to make sure your hair is right. Guys, you might even shower that day. I mean, it's a special day. And I'll, no, <laughs> it's a special day. So we understand the idea of being prepared for things we love, right? Then how ridiculous does it sound when we realize that some of us, some of God's own people, aren't prepared for Jesus' return? Doesn't that just sound stupid, to use blunt language? And on one hand, we might think, well, how is it possible that God's people can't be ready for God's return. Some of us think that's an impossibility, that if I'm God's person, that I've got to be ready, that that it's all good. But it's not. It's possible that we could love God. It's possible that we could be people who, who have had faith and believe in God, who even have been baptized into Christ, and still not be ready for His return. If you think you're prepared just because you're baptized, you'd be wrong about that. If you think that you're prepared just because you go to this church instead of some other church, you're wrong about that. If you think that you're ready just because you've put in your time and done your work, but you decided that the last 20 years of your life are for self-indulgence because you've earned it, not right either. To be prepared for Jesus' return means that we are up and we're active and we're doing the work that God gave us to do. Because you know as well as I do, because you have families and you have friends and you have co-workers, you have people you go to school with, you're, you're a living part of this community and of this world. And so we are all aware that all around us, there are always, every day, people who need to be served, people who need to be taught, people who need to be blessed in the name of Jesus. And if we ever, ever reach a point in our lives, whether at a young age or whether at an old age, where we feel like that's no longer our responsibility, like we have no part, no role, in serving, teaching, and blessing others in the name of Christ then we aren't ready. We aren't ready for God to come back. But don't take my word for it. Never take my word for it. Anytime I ever say something, if you doubt it, if you're not sure, if you're a little skeptical, study, read. Because I, I make it my, I suppose, my life's mission to never share something with you guys that isn't true, to never mislead people, to never pass along as opinion or as scripture something that's really just my opinion. 
So let me read to you a section out of the Gospel of Luke. We've been in the Gospel of Luke uh, all of this calendar year, and we'll be in the Gospel of Luke a few more weeks, at least through Chris, or Christmas, sorry, at least through Easter, which is just a few weeks away. If you have a Bible and want to follow along, that's great. I'm reading to you from Luke chapter 12. If you'd rather just sit and listen, then that's fine too. Here Jesus teaches us about this idea of preparation, about this idea of being ready, and he does so through the use of two very short episodes, what we might call parables. And I want you to think about what these mean for us, for you, and your preparation for the return of Christ. This is Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 35. Jesus said, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third, and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. So you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you don't expect. And he tells us at least a couple of things right there, in that little short episode, that give us some clue, some insight and to how we live, or at least maybe to what we should be expecting. And it's the unexpected, in two ways. He teaches them this parable that may sound odd or strange to us because he's talking to things, uh, about things to them that are part of their culture, that they just understand, that we might not. He's talking about this stuff about masters and servants, or some translations will even say slaves, and that's, that word for servant and slave is the same word there in Greek. And he says, for those of you who are slaves, who are servants of this master, if the master has gone off, your job <clears throat> is to be prepared for when he comes home. And in that particular scenario, they don't know when he's going to come home. They don't know what hour he's going to walk through the door. And so he says, so what is the servant's job? It's to wait. But not idly. See, the idea of waiting, sometimes we hear that passage and we think, well, then I, I need to get baptized and it's probably good if I go to church now and then. be best if I went to church all the time. But really, I just need to be ready. I need to get baptized, be forgiven, and then I could just kind of put my hands in my pocket and, and find a seat and sit down and, and just wait. That isn't what he means at all. And, and we know that even more by the next story he's going to tell. But in this story, he says you need to be ready and be prepared for at any moment the master could return. He said, but it might not be to the second watch or the third watch. And see, we don't understand what that means. But the Jews and the Romans, one had three watches of the night, one had four watches of the night. So the specific time doesn't matter. The point was, he said, you may have to stay up all night long to be ready for the master's return. But if you're that faithful to be up all night long, to be vigilant, and the master comes home, and he finds you there ready to serve him. He said, do you know how happy the master is going to be? Did you notice what he said the master will do? He said that when the master comes in and finds you that faithful, that ready, that prepared, 
He said, the master's going to turn the tables. He said, he's going to have you sit down at the table and the master is going to serve the slaves. You see, that's not normal, is it? Regular life doesn't work that way. But with God, it does. So Jesus says, be prepared for the unexpected. Verse 41. As Jesus taught these things, as confused as sometimes we are at Jesus' words, those who stood there were often confused as well, if that gives you any hope or comfort. But Peter, one of the twelve, one of the apostles, he spoke up and he said, Lord, which is the same word that means master. Peter clearly identified Jesus as the master in these stories. He says, Lord, are you telling this parable for us? I think he means there for just us, your special twelve. Or for everybody. Because Jesus had been teaching and healing and there was a whole crowd around as this was going on. So he says, is this just for us or is this for everyone? Which is a good question for you and for me, isn't it? Because if the things Jesus is saying here is special information, if these are special commands just for the apostles, well then we can lay back and say, well that was for them, that's not for me. But as is often the case with Jesus... He often doesn't answer the direct question he was asked. But often we'll reframe it. And in this case, he reframes it not with another question, but with another story. When you listen to the story, see if you can figure out for yourself his answer to Peter's question. Do you think Jesus is only talking to Peter and the others? Or do you think he's talking to me and to you? And the Lord, the Master, said, Well, who then is the faithful and the wise manager. The manager there is a steward. This would be like the slave who was in charge of all the other slaves in the household. Who then is the wise and the faithful manager whom his master will set over his household to give them, that means to give the other slaves their portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, the master will set him over all of his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming, and he begins to beat the male and female servants, and he begins to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. He will come at an hour when he does not know, and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew the master's will but did not get ready or did not act according to the master's will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. And then Jesus summarizes this with this sort of conclusion, this principle. For everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Those are pretty serious consequences for people who aren't prepared. For people who become selfish or self-indulgent. For servants who forget that their purpose in life is to carry on the Master's work until He returns. Sobering kinds of stories. But it's not a story. It's not a teaching that Jesus shares 
that's intended to, I don't think at least, to overwhelm us, to burden us, to guilt us. See, God doesn't want to guilt us into work. God wants us to do the work because we love Him. Similar to the things John shared out of 2 Corinthians this morning before we partook the Lord's Supper. That Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, and so now we are called into that same path. We're called to be fitted into that same mold of love and service and sacrifice that's active, that's ongoing, that never ends. It becomes our call for the rest of our lives, regardless of age, regardless of gender, regardless of nationality or language or any other thing. But we read a story like this and it tends to make me sweat like those nightmares when I'd wake up and think, did I miss it? Because I want to be ready. I want to be prepared. But God wants me to be ready. God wants us to be prepared. And God never assigns us a task. God never pushes us into ministry and mission without first equipping us to succeed. Did you know that? But you probably feel like that's not true. or There have probably been times in your life where you felt like there were things God wanted you to do, but you felt like you were ill-equipped or unprepared or you didn't have the faith required to step out and do it. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but I think if you're honest, most of us would put a hand up to that. But the truth is, God's love, God who is our Master, who bought us, who owns us, His love for us is so overwhelming and great that He never puts us in a situation to fail. God always puts us in situations to succeed to live, to thrive. In faith, we're not talking about material goods, we're not talking about riches, we're not talking about any of that stuff. To live life with Him by faith. So we can read a passage like this and we can come away fearful and scared and and chew our nails and think, oh no, am I ready? Am I ready? Am I ready? Or we we can think of the passage again and realize that that the keys to our success are right there in the story. That Jesus has described to us already, right here in the story, who it is who will be the the servant who receives a blessing rather than than the wicked servant who receives punishment. And it's, it's three things, at least to my eye, three things that if we can remember these three if we can identify with these and make these core components of who we are, if we can use these to help us identify our choices in life and the path we're going to take with God, then we are by far better off for it. And we are well on the path to being found faithful when He returns. The first thing is be faithful. Look again at how Jesus describes the one with whom the Master is happy in the second parable. Look in verse 42. It says, And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and the wise manager? There's the key. Are we faithful? It's a word that means trustworthy. If you are a a boss, if you are a business owner, or if you are a, a whatever, a steward or a foreman, wherever it is you work, if you're a leader of some kind, 
Think about the sort of people you want to have working with you or under you or for you. What kind of people do you hire? Are they the people that are conscientious? Are they the people that are lazy? Do you hire people who are honest or who are false? Do you, do you hire the people who take every advantage of every opportunity to be away from work or do you hire the people who are there and put in their time and who even do the things that aren't necessarily required according to the contract? What kind of people would you hire? People who are faithful. People who are trustworthy. Well, God wants us to examine ourselves and and ask ourselves that question, to look in the mirror. Are we like that? Are we faithful? Are we trustworthy? Are we that kind of devoted servant to God who is ready any day, any hour, to give whatever God requires? Because we know that we are always linked to Him because He chose us and He bought us and we're His And we never have to fear because God is our Master. And He is the kind of steward Himself, as we already said, who turns the tables and seats us and serves us. No, He doesn't have to. Be faithful. The second thing He does to describe the, the, the manager that is blessed is not only is He faithful, but He's wise. Verse 42 again says that the one who God blessed is the one who is faithful and wise. And Scripture tells us that wisdom is something that is at all of our fingertips if we will pursue it and ask God for it. Do you remember the story of Solomon, the son of David, who becomes king? And, and David uh, counsels Solomon to pray. And Solomon prays to God. And do you remember what it was Solomon prayed for? It's kind of like these old games. If, if you had a genie and you only got one wish, what would you wish for? What do all the smart people say? A hundred more wishes, something like that, right? But in this particular occasion, Solomon has this opportunity to pray to God and ask for presumably anything. And what Solomon asked for pleased God so much that God not only gave him that thing, but he gave him all that other stuff that most others would ask for. Because most people would ask for, what, long life, or great wealth, or incredible power, or an unshakable kingdom, whatever. But does anyone recall what Solomon prayed to God for? Wisdom. If you read a book like Proverbs, many of which are written by Solomon, what does the whole first third of that book teach about? As As he, Solomon, the wise king, teaches his son... Over and over again, what does he say to pursue? Does he say to pursue wealth? He does not. Does he say to pursue uh, sex? He does not. He warns him about the dangers of illicit sex there. But instead, over and over and over, what does he say to pursue? Power, right? It must have been power. No. Wisdom. We even learn in the New Testament that if we seek out wisdom, if we pray for wisdom, if that's something we're pursuing, what will God do? He will give it. And do you know why? Because He wants us to succeed. Because He wants us to be blessed. Because He wants us to be equipped to live a life of mission to the people around us, a life which brings us joy and contentment and peace. Those who are faithful servants of God are faithful, they're trustworthy, and they are wise. You don't have to be old to be wise. Do you guys know that? 
Wisdom is not a thing that is linked necessarily to age. There are plenty of old people who have no wisdom. And there are pl- it's true. And there are plenty of young people who do. Wisdom is not the same as knowledge. Wisdom is not the same as IQ. Wisdom doesn't only come from life experience. Wisdom comes from God. And if we seek it and pray for it, God will give it. If you don't, don't seek it. If you don't pray for it or pursue it, then to paraphrase Scripture, you are a fool. That's what Proverbs teaches. The third, maybe most critical piece of how we prepare, how we're ready to make sure that we're blessed rather than punished when Christ returns. In addition to being faithful, in addition to having wisdom, is to remember who we are. We are servants. That is who we are. That doesn't take away from the teachings of Jesus where He says, I no longer call you slave, I call you brother. It doesn't take away from that. It doesn't conflict with that. It just reminds us of what our role is. We are blessed to be servants of the Most High God. The God who created the world. The God who authors life. The God who even now is preparing a place for us that is beyond what we can imagine. He chooses us. He calls us to Himself. And when we accept His forgiveness and grace when we enter into this agreement, this covenant with Him, it's personified in in our baptism into Christ, then we are forever linked to Him by vow, by oath, by blood. We are His. And just like you love your children and your grandchildren, our God, our Father, wants nothing more than for us to be safe and protected and whole and vibrant. It's up to us to make the choice to remember who we are. Are we living this life to serve ourselves? To feed ourselves? To not be worried about the abuses of the world? Not be worried about what happens to the people around us? Just as long as we get mine. Or are we going to be ready for when Christ returns to fulfill and fully inaugurate this new creation when peace and justice rule? when God dwells with His people, when He walks and talks with us as His own. If you're not ready for the coming of God, we can help you with that. We can help you by helping you to be baptized into Jesus and having your sins forgiven. But for those of you, the vast majority of us here today, who have already made that choice, who have already vowed ourselves to God, God can still continue to bless your life and we, as His servants, can continue to help you find a way to be connected to be up and active, to to play an active role in the ministry of God's people. Because there are always people around us who need to be served and who need to be taught and who need to be blessed in the name of Jesus Christ. If we can help you this morning, won't you come as we stand and sing?